Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Good evening and welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. You're here with Ingrid and MJ in another special edition off-site Done By Law show. We'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands on which we're broadcasting tonight. And where we are, that's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We'd also like to acknowledge our Indigenous listeners across Australia. We're talking tonight about Indigenous stories and who owns them. We're lucky to be joined by Tony Briggs, who's a Yorta Yorta and Wurundjeri theatre and film practitioner. That's the Woiwurrung language group. He's an actor, writer, director and producer and the creator and writer of feature film The Sapphires, which premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 2012. We are also fortunate to be joined by Robin Ayres, Chief Executive Officer of the Arts Law Centre of Australia. Arts Law founded Artists in the Black under Robin's leadership, a service of arts law that is dedicated to providing legal assistance and advice to Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists and communities. We thank both of our guests for joining us on this week's show. Robin, I'm interested in talking to you about what intellectual property laws are, you know, what they consist of, how do they operate, and whether they protect Indigenous stories in their current form. Intellectual property is really an umbrella term, and uh, it actually refers to um, a system of laws, both in Australia and internationally, which protect different aspects of intellectual property. So when you still talk about intellectual property, it's really like property of the mind and different aspects of that. So the main ways that we protect intellectual property in Australia is that we have copyright laws, we have a designs act, we have trademarks act, we have patents, and um, and also uh, a system of laws which protects confidential information. But really when we're looking at um, Indigenous stories, I suppose copyright and the copyright laws are the main way in which Australian laws protect Indigenous stories. Uh, so we can, we can use copyright laws and contracts, I suppose, as a means of protecting um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander stories and trying to um, build in mechanisms to in contracts to get other people to protect um, indigenous um, indigenous intellectual property, which is a little bit different to 
um, Australian intellectual property laws. Okay, and in terms of um, Indigenous stories themselves, often there's um, an oral tradition of storytelling um, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, how is that oral tradition reflected in the legal protections under intellectual property laws? Not very well, really. Uh, so the whole thing about uh, the Copyright Act is that it actually requires um, the, the story or the performance to be recorded in material form in some ways. So the story has to be written down to get protection or if it's a dance, then that has to be recorded or videoed or written down in choreographic steps in order to get protection. So if it's um, an oral tradition and the story is passed down from one generation to the next with ever, without ever having been written down, then copyright laws in Australia don't protect that. So that's a gaping hole. I can see how that would be a, a significant gap. There's something um, called Indigenous Cultural and Intellectual Property, or ICIP. Is that right? That's right, and it's it's a it's a I suppose a term that's been um, coined. And I'm not sure if Terry Jenke was the first person. She's a she's an Indigenous lawyer that specialises in intellectual property. And uh, over um, 20 years ago, she did a report called Our Culture, Our Future. And um, in that report, she talked about um, indigenous culture and intellectual property. In other parts of the world, they call it they call it different things like um, traditional cultural expressions and traditional knowledge. So, um, but in Australia, we we call it indigenous culture and intellectual property, and it's a it's a term um, that uh, I suppose depicts what Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people consider should be protected. So it's all aspects of their cultural heritage. It includes the stories, it includes traditional knowledge, their designs, the totems, the dances, the languages, the sites. And I suppose the thing about it is that it's about the communal ownership of the stories, that it's, they're shared and that they're passed down from one generation to the next. And when um, people talk about um, ICIP rights or, or, or Indigenous cultural and intellectual property rights, they're talking about these, what, what um, really, I suppose, uh, what Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people consider should be protected and which they recognise under their own Indigenous laws, uh, they're required to uh, follow and uh, abide by, but it's, they're not, it's not recognised under the Australian legal system. And in fact, there are very few countries around the world which have a really strong system of protection of Indigenous culture and intellectual property. One aspect that you've discussed is communal ownership and the communal ownership of stories. Is that something um, that is protected by intellectual property laws more broadly? Not really. I mean, the communal ownership of, um, for example, in the Copyright Act, there is this concept of authorship. And uh, the author is the person who actually has written the story down. Or if you're talking about an artwork, you're, it's, the, it's the artist or the artist who have jointly created the work. Mm -hmm. So in, in terms of when, when the Copyright Act looks at who's the creator of the work, 
they look at the actual people who have um, who've, who've, who've done the physical creating of the work. So the fact that that work might be based on the communal knowledge and the, the, um, the, the stories that have been shared with the, the creator, that is not recognised in terms of authorship. There is, there is one case um, where the court um, really looked at this idea of communal ownership of um, a, it was actually a case involving art. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that whilst the Copyright Act didn't recognise that communal ownership um, of the actual creation of the work, what, it, what they did recognise is that the artist owes an obligation, a fiduciary duty to the, the clan um, who've basically given them permission to create the work. And so if the artists themselves didn't do something about the infringement of copyright, the clan then um, would be able to take action because the artist has breached their fiduciary duty to the clan and then they, therefore they could do something about it. Um, that's never been tested. There's been no cases where, where that, that's happened, but that's certainly something that was um, set out in a case, um, which is called Bullen Bullen, um, from back in 1998. So that's the closest Australian law has got to recognising some form of communal ownership of, of art. Is that right? That, that's right. Um, I mean, there is this concept of joint ownership, but they have to be physically involved in the creation of the work. It can't be someone having the ideas or the knowledge and the other person um, then doing the creation. The person who's got the knowledge or the ideas or the stories um, and aren't involved in the act of creation, they don't get any recognition um, in terms of, being, of copyright ownership. There are some countries, like some of the African countries, they have got a more developed system of um, recognising that communal ownership. And there are some, um, I think um, Panama has got a law recognising um, Indigenous culture and intellectual property, but there aren't very, very many um, countries and certainly no countries, you know, where, where there's an Indigenous community within um, the, uh, a non-Indigenous kind of dominant um, culture uh, where that's been recognised. Robin, there's such a thing as moral rights. Is that right? Is this something that might um, go towards protecting ownership of Indigenous stories, particularly where they're owned by um, communities um, rather than um, particular people or individuals? Mm, not really, not at this stage. Uh, so what moral rights? So it's got a specific legal meaning under the Copyright Act and it basically gives the copyright owner three rights. It's the right of attribution, so to be you know, acknowledged as the creator of the work, the right of um, uh, against having someone falsely um, attribute the work as their own, and, and the third is the right of integrity, so that the work um, is is the work is presented or reproduced in a way which um, doesn't affect, affect the integrity or damage the integrity of the, the author or the artist mm -hmm. as the creator of the work. So I suppose if the, if the author always wanted to be attributed as um, 
you know, such and such a person who has made the work with the authority of a particular clan or language group that they belong to and that wasn't respected, that might be an infringement of the author's moral rights. Uh, but it, there's no there, there's no specific law which actually um, respects the communal interests under the moral rights um, the moral rights legislation. There were some there was some discussion about this um, probably nearly 20 years ago now, um, where there was some talk about introducing some a legislation around communal moral rights, but it was quite a complex. Um, system which wasn't really going to be very effective so that never really got anywhere. So in terms of um, changes to legislation or law reform, it, it sounds like from what you've discussed with us today that some rights are better respected than others or for example it sounds like it's more difficult to protect an oral story than potentially an artwork. Um, is there a need for law reform in this area? And what would you say would be effective in terms of law reform um, in relation to this issue? Yeah, I think we need a separate um, system of legislation which actually uh, sets some standalone laws which protect ICIP or Indigenous Cultural and Intellectual Property more broadly. Uh, it, it's it's not an easy task, um, and it requires careful sort of consultation, but. But really, we don't have this um, any any system which really respects um, indigenous culture and intellectual property, but even the concept of it more broadly in Australia. So I think that's what we we need. The government has said that that they're going to do some scoping to see what those laws might possibly look like and whether it's feasible, and then potentially do a consultation. Um, I've heard that, you know, for many years. Um, so hopefully this is actually real and it's going to happen. It, it's not, it, I can't say, you know, what those laws should look like because I think that should be determined um, after really good consultations, meaningful consultations with, um, you know, this very broad range of um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across Australia. So I think that's what's needed. But something that could be done sort of immediately um, which wouldn't be very hard, is doing an amendment to the Australian Consumer Law, which could make just the sale and distribution of a fake Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander souvenir products that, you know, we see huge amount of in our marketplace. And if you got rid of that Aboriginal style um, product, which has no connection to um, indigenous peoples, then that would actually just, it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's not dealing with the big picture issue, but that would be sort of a meaningful, um, I suppose, step in the right direction. But Robin, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so informative um, and a really good insight into some of the legal issues around um, ownership of indigenous stories and what needs to change in terms of the law. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Ingrid. It's my pleasure. If you want to reach out to Arts Law, their website is www.artslaw.com.au. We're going to have a short break now and then we'll welcome Tony Briggs to continue the discussion. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws? 
or stopped and questioned by police for being outside. Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501 or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. You're with Ingrid and MJ on Done by Law, 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We're now going to play a track of Tony's Choice, and it's the incendiary 26th January by AB Original, featuring Dan Sultan as a language warning. You can call it what you want, but it just don't mean a thing. No, it just don't mean a thing. Fuck that, honey. You can come and wave your flag, it don't mean a thing to me. No, it just don't mean a thing. Fuck that, honey. You can call it what you want, but it just don't mean a thing. No, it just don't mean a thing. Fuck that, honey. You can come and wave your flag, it don't mean a thing to me. No, it just don't mean a thing. Fuck that, honey. If I said, hey, Briggs, pick a date. Okay. You know what? Well, we can celebrate. For sure. But we can come together, yeah. talk about the weather, call that Australia Day. I said, how about March 8th? That's a good one. And we can do it on your nan's grave. We can piss up, piss on his face, get rid up and burn out like Mark Skate. <laughs> the screaming love or the leave it, I got more reason to be a riff, you can believe it. Want to salute the constitutional, who's underneath it? Turn that flag to a noose, put a cease to your breathing. I can't get on my whip, I get a ticket for that. I get a DWB, and that's a drop in my spot. I turn the other cheek, I get a knife on my back. And I tell them it hurts, they say I overreact. So fuck that. Celebrate anything but survival Nah, you watching telly for The Bachelor But wouldn't read a book about a fuckload of massacres I remember all the blood and my characters They remember 20 recipes for lamingtons Yeah, their ancestors got a boat ride Both mine saw them coming until they both died Fuck celebrating days made of misery Why I still got the black history And that turtle get you banned from the parliament If you ain't having a conversation Well then we starting it You can call it what you want But it just don't mean a thing No, it just don't mean a thing Fuck that, honey You can come and wave your flag But it don't mean a thing to me No, it just don't mean a thing No, it just don't mean a thing I just don't
This evening, we've been talking with Robin Ayres, CEO of Arts Law, on the legal issues relating to the ownership of Indigenous stories. We thank Robin for joining us. We're now joined by Tony Briggs, a Yorta Yorta and Wurundjeri theatre and film practitioner. That's the Wairarung Language Group. Tony is an actor, writer, director and producer and the creator and writer of feature film The Sapphires, which premiered at the Cairns Film Festival in 2012. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm interested in hearing from you on this issue of who owns Indigenous stories and why this issue is important. Well, I mean, Aboriginal people own Aboriginal stories. You know, I mean, I, I think um, I think it's important to understand that we uh, currently trying to take back the narrative um, and uh, it, it's, it's equally important that people understand that, um, you know, it's it's something that my people have done since time immemorial. It's the way we have communicated through song, dance, and with how we taught our children, how we continue to teach our children. Um, so it's, it's vital that we um, tell the world who we are as opposed to you know, others telling us who we are or others telling the world who we are. We have a voice and uh, it's really important that we maintain control of that voice. And that's not to say that, um, you know, we can't work together, but, um, you know, people have to understand that we need to be, we as an Indigenous people, need to be the driving force and in total control of our of our narrative. You've talked about taking back the narrative, Tony. What what happens to Indigenous story when it's told by a non-Indigenous storyteller? Well, it's not told through a lived experience at all. I mean, uh, you know, I've often heard writers or, you know, other other artists say, well, you know, it's art, We we can, you know, tell stories and be respectful, but... Yeah, but it's not, it's, which is true. Tell others' stories or stories of others and be respectful. And, and yes, it is true, but, but it's not coming from, uh, as, it's not coming from as an, in my opinion, an authentic place because it's not coming from a lived experience. Mm. You know, you cannot, cannot possibly understand how to tell the story of you know an indigenous person um if you are not that person or if you're not from the community in as authentic way as you may otherwise regardless of what you think or regardless of how clever you are as a writer or as a musician as it's just it just does not it just isn't it isn't real yep and you've had experience yourself um quite spectacularly of telling your own story or your own family's story through um, the Sapphires, which um, I understand is the story of your mother and your auntie and that you wrote mm. the script for the play and you co-wrote the screenplay for the 2012 film. Mm. Did you encounter any issues in maintaining ownership of your story throughout this process? I, I don't think I, I encountered any issues um, along those lines. I, I think, you know... I, I don't, I mean, the reality is I don't, technically, I don't own that story. Mm. That's the reality of it, which may shock many people. 
um, the you know, uh, but I do work very closely, and continue and and will continue to work cl- closely with, you know, those producers of of the film. But when it comes to the story that the stage play, yeah, that's 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 a separate separate type of thing. I I, I do, and I can tell that story. It, it does get very uh, complex and, com- and and complicated, and there's sort of you know, it can get a little bit confusing for everybody involved, but you know, we've we've managed to, uh, and we 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 are working together. In fact, at the moment on a on another version of the story, um, an animated version. So we're working really closely together, and it's working better. In fact, I feel like it's working better than it did the first time around. I'm I'm a lot more experienced and. Um, and uh, you know, uh, in the in you know, with with everything now in this business, so that goes a long way to making things a lot easier um, for both for both parties. So I, I I don't I wouldn't really say that it, you know I had problems at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only problems uh, that may have existed I created for myself, not necessarily for anyone else. So. I learned from I learned from those uh, issues. You know, you move forward and you just sort of learn from those kind of things, and and really, uh, you know, opportunities always come. Um, especially if you're a person like me who's determined to create your own opportunities, and you now came and it's come around again. So I've learned from it, and I've you know spoken my mind. They, they respected that, and we're moving forward. You said in an interview in relation to the sapphires, and this was a number of years ago, um, that someone had approached you with the idea of turning the sapphires into a play for an all-white cast. Mm, um, yeah. Which obviously would have been a fundamentally different story. And in terms of what you've been speaking about this evening in relation to, you know, an authentic voice, um, it, it wouldn't yeah. have been that story at all. It would have been something completely different. Um, would would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I was I was never going to sell my my community out. I was never going to disrespect my mother and my aunties and my uncles and my cousins. And I was never going to do that. Mm. Uh, I I just think it's a really good um, example of of you know how, how you know how you cho- how you can make choices. You know, um, it would have been easy for me to have done that. Uh, and I, in fact, had thought, I thought, I had, I'd not entertained the thought, but I, it crossed my mind a long time before it even got kind of any interest in it as a, as a stage show. It did cross my mind, and I thought, just as a curiosity, I thought, you know, I could probably make probably millions <laughs> if I put the right people in this cast and tweak the story and... And, um, but it, it, again, it's not coming from an authentic place, you know. You know, I could write that story. I can, I could write those characters, you know. I've lived with those type, you know, with, with, you know, those type of characters my whole life. But what I really know and what I'm really passionate about and, uh, my personal experiences and personal conversations and, and I have a, you know, a vested interest in, again, like I said, how getting that voice out there. Yeah. Um, you know, it came off the back of a of a, a really important theatre piece that I performed in as an as an actor. Um, you know, prior to prior to the stage production, I went on a tour and I did a a, a fantastic show called Stolen about Stolen Generation by Jane Harrison. And you know, for me, it was a heavy load, and for other actors afterwards, you know, it was we had a magnificent experience. But 
the content was quite heavy. So it just sort of got me thinking about what else would I like to do, and that's where the and uh, then I, you know, had a conversation with my mother, and it triggered an idea, and then it kind of went from there. So I was never going to tell a different uh, version of who we are. I was going to always tell the truth. Do you think that attitude has changed and that people value Indigenous stories being told by Indigenous people more these days? I'm not too sure whether they value Indigenous stories, you know, um, as such. I think they value the possibility of making a, lot, a pot of uh, having a, get, finding a pot of gold at the end of the, those yeah. Indigenous. That's that's for sure, you know, because there's there's all kinds of people, you know, all kinds of producers who are looking for the, you know, to give themselves some street cred with. Um, you know, stories from, you know, people of colour and it's not just Indigenous stories. It's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's the, uh, thing that's going on around the world. And that, that, that's, that's because, you know, we as, as black people and, and, and you know, in, in First Nations Indigenous people around the globe have been, you know, doing what we've been doing and saying what we've been saying for generations and our voice getting louder and louder and people have got to just you know people are starting to kind of realize that we're never going to be quiet about this because it's more than just telling stories it's more than it's way more than that it's it goes far deeper than that it's it's about it's about our our basic human um, rights to be to be um, seen and heard Mm. Um, and uh, the way we want to be Yep. Again, it just comes back to that, and and you know, um, demanding the respect that you know we all deserve as humans. Tony, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been um, really fantastic to chat and to really have an insight into your experience. So thank you for sharing that with us. You're with Ingrid and MJ on Done by Law, 3CR 855 AM, 3CR.org.au, and 3CR Digital. Thank you so much to our guests for the show, Tony Briggs and Robin Ayers. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Stay tuned for Voice of West Papua coming up next. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.